From living in Canada to moving to LA to chase their dreams, today's guests on My Best Life podcast have toured with the top artists, including Nicki Minaj, Justin Bieber, Nick Jonas, Chris Brown, Christina Aguilera, Jennifer Lopez, and more. Kim Jengra has done multiple tours with none other than Beyonce herself. Mel Ma is a yoga teacher, filmmaker who has toured with the icon Janet Jackson. Together, they have created a female empowerment workshop dedicated to educating and inspiring young females. This is my best life podcast. This is my best life podcast with Flavia Abadia. Today's episode is brought to you by Miski Organics. Use the discount code YourGirlFlav at checkout for 15% off your order. Hello and welcome to My Best Life Podcast. I'm your girl Flavia Abadia and today I have two very special guests, Mel Ma and Kim Jengra. Both of them are professional dancers. They've danced with everyone from Jennifer Lopez, Chris Brown, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, and they've started a new company called You Got This Girl. So they're here to talk about their journey and their new program. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's start from how did you go from living in Canada to moving to LA and becoming professional dancers? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we actually moved to Los Angeles together. So Mel and I first met on So You Think You Can Dance Canada, mm-hmm. season two. Mm-hmm. We were paired up as roommates and then we just hit it off. And then from there, we both had the dream of moving to Los Angeles. She wanted to tour with Janet Jackson. I wanted to tour with Beyonce. And we're like, let's just let's just do it. I mean, it all sounds like okay, let's go. Obviously, yeah. a lot of work put into this. Yeah, and, you know, lots of hours and then just like lots of dancing and training and you know money. But but mm-hmm. that's kind of like essentially how it happened. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think it was easier. It was an easier transition moving down to Los Angeles because we moved down together. You know, mm-hmm. we also had other Canadian friends come down because um, it was a huge shift going from Toronto all the way down to LA or Montreal to LA yeah. um, but I think having a support group and having people that you know from your home country mm-hmm. was so helpful oh, yeah. in that transition Definitely. Yeah. yeah and did you always dream of becoming a professional dancer since you were young? Um, for me, I started late, I guess, mm-hmm. compared to other dancers. I started when, training when I was 15 years old. Okay. Um, so I kind of just had to like push a little extra hard and try mm-hmm. to you know make up for time. Um, I didn't really know until like my late teenage years that it was actually possible to do a career, make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed school. I worked really hard at that. I studied physical therapy, but I did quit halfway through university. Because I was missing out on auditions and stuff like that. Okay. Like, okay, my heart is there. Let me just yeah. go full force, see what happens. And it happens, and then yeah, I've had a great career in Canada first, and kind of build my name there first. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I actually, from like age five to sixteen, I was so sure that I was going to be a doctor. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, my dad was. My dad's a doctor, so I just my entire life thought that I was going to follow in his footsteps and do that whole thing. And then it wasn't until 16 when I started actually getting better at dancing and I started noticing I was doing well at convention, I was getting scholarships, that I started thinking like, is this actually possible that I could maybe make this a career? Mm-hmm. And I also had certain choreographers who mentored me and who were really telling me that I could do it. So all these seeds were being planted in my head around like 17, 18, like, well wait, this thing that I thought I was gonna do for my entire life is kind of now shifting. Yeah. Um, and so you think you can dance was actually the thing that made me realize like okay I think dance is supposed to be the path I'm gonna take because at that point I was driving back and forth from London Ontario to Markham doing like biomedical sciences oh, and then okay. dancing at the same time and I was just like at this point where I was like I can't do this any longer like this yeah. fight between school and dance so when so you think happened I said to myself I literally like let the universe decide before I even knew what the universe was <laughs> I was like I just can't be in control of this decision anymore because I'm so conflicted, so I'm going to audition for this, and if I get this, that's a big enough sign that I'm going to try dance. And if I don't, then that's a big enough sign that I need to stop dancing so much, I need to just focus on school and just go go into science. So, okay. So yeah. Well, I'm glad you got in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I probably, I would not be sitting, it's weird yeah. when you look back and yeah. then you're like, what sort of, you know, where were the crossroads in your life, what decisions did you make that led you to be here, and yeah. I can actually say... If, if I didn't audition for So You Think, I wouldn't be sitting here. Like, I wouldn't like even know Ken. Yeah. yeah, a huge yeah. decision. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, so how was it when you first moved to L.A.? Because that's, like, 
Yeah. It's like, oh my god, the world is yeah. so much bigger. bigger. I feel like yeah. everything in the U.S. is bigger. Oh yeah, so for people. sure. So many McDonald's meals are bigger. Everything's <laughs> yeah. bigger. People are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's bigger. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did you guys um, adjust? How was it? Like, yeah. what was your first gig when you got there? Um, for me, my experience is having having danced for years in Montreal mm -hmm. and sort of like things were flowing, things were good, and it was really like this shift of like starting back at zero mm -hmm. in LA. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, oh damn, like I was fine paying my bills and things were running and mm -hmm. now I have to start back at zero, make my name again. And uh, I'm kind of old for this industry. Like I moved when I was 26, you know, I'm auditioning oh, okay. with people that are, you know, 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. working with them. But uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I enjoyed the fact that I got to sort of build something back home mm -hmm. and then knew myself better once I got to LA. And like yeah. Mel, Mel was saying, with our little community, like it, mm -hmm. it was super helpful to have yeah. one another sure that's good yeah. were you roommates there in mm -hmm. family okay yeah. Yeah. that's nice yeah. yeah and it was so affordable too because we were also yeah. living with her then boyfriend at the time okay so it was three of us splitting like a two bedroom two two bath situation okay yeah. so it was pretty it was a pretty easy transition you know because we were all mm -hmm. together but um differently from when I moved down to LA I was 19 so it okay. was like for me the comparison of all my friends that I knew back in Toronto, still being in school, going to college parties, and then yeah. I was I was living on my own, away from my family, like having to deal with bills, like having to manage my money, like things shift. like yeah, it was a really big shift I think for me more personally, career wise I was just down because like I you know I spent one year working in Toronto after So You Think, mm -hmm. and then I knew I wanted to go to LA, so I didn't have. I didn't have that feeling and that struggle of having to start over. For me, okay. it was just all kind of in the same in the same sort of scale as I was in Toronto. But for me, it was much more on a personal level. It was very like yeah. being young and like adjusting to the people around me, and just being that age, you just don't know yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you rip yourself away from your from your entire home and everything you know, and go into a place like LA where there's so many people. It's so big. There's so many changing energies. I was just like crazy. And so how did you deal with that? Yoga. Okay. Like yoga 1000%. And I was in like a crazy relationship too at the time. Okay. And I literally, I literally didn't know what else got me out of my head other than yoga. So before I even, even thought that I would maybe take a teacher training program, mm -hmm. I just found myself constantly going to take take yoga and it was it first started as like a workout thing like oh great this is awesome for my body mm -hmm. and then I started realizing the actual reason I was going was really to feel free of my mind and I would leave the class being like wow this like sacred moment of the, the next like two hours after this class that I have is so nice because I feel so calm yeah so, yeah and Mel is actually a yoga teacher yes and also a filmmaker <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah taking your yoga classes it was really yeah, nice. Thank you. I mean, I always say I I really think I was like the last person that I would have imagined being a yoga teacher mm -hmm. because I just my entire life was super logical, realistic, very analytical and I still am I that guess, way. Yeah, if you wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, I was just super I don't know, I was very like I don't want to say narrow minded, but mm -hmm. I just was very one tracked, you know. So when I started doing yoga, I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And then I actually didn't realize that I was passionate about teaching it and the spirituality of it until I was placed into a class as a teacher. Like, not even by choice. Someone mm -hmm. was like, we need a yoga teacher for a class. And I was like, well, I can make extra money. <laughs> like, yeah. that was my only intention. And then I started doing it and I was like, whoa, like, what is this feeling? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, kind of oh, fell into place nice. with that one. <laughs> yeah. And so you have both danced for like super icons, Beyonce and Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. So how did that come about and how was your experience? Um, for me, it was a pretty long process. I auditioned for her, I think I was 22 or 23 the first time. Okay. Um, I was still living in Montreal. I took a bus, went to New York. I heard there's an open call where you don't need to have a, an agent representing you. You could just kind okay. of show up and audition. And um, got through the first round and then after that was cut. Um, and then years later, after in Los Angeles, auditioned for her again, and so there was definitely a few like ups and downs, so kind of like just the, the struggle of getting the nose, but like, okay, mm -hmm. let's keep going, this is what I want, and then finally I booked um, the Super Bowl in 2013, was my first job with her. That's so yeah. sick. Yeah, so that's like, really exciting. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so yeah, I just kept going, I just felt like, mm -hmm. you know, this is really what I want, as, as much as I'll get up and feel like I'm so passionate about this, and she's mm -hmm. the woman I want to work with. I'll keep pushing and see what happens. Yeah. How was the Super Bowl? It was like, great. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Like, I mean, 
The stage is huge. There's like mm. millions of people watching. You yeah. all have ears because oh, the stage okay. is so big and it's so like the sound is not great in there. Yeah. It's not for that, right? So if let's say like the dancers that are by Beyonce clapping, mm-hmm. all of us, let's say, let's say more in the back of the stage, we were clapping like half a count later. Mm-hmm. Like by the time the sound oh. gets to you, like so you need the ears. So it's that whole, it's, it's interesting, like, you're hearing the song in, in your ears, mm-hmm. and you're in that moment, you hear people, pe- like, you see the people cheering, mm-hmm. but you don't really hear them, because all you're hearing is the music. Yeah. It's, a, it's an oh, interesting okay. concept. Yeah. Like, after that on tour, like, we had the choice of getting in-ears, and I was like, oh, no, thanks, I want to feed off of the yeah. crowd. Yeah. So it's like that interesting, like... Oh, so some of you guys had in-ears, and some of you guys didn't? For, for the Super Bowl, we all had to. No, but for the tour. For tour, we all said no. We got oh, them okay, done, okay. but we didn't... Oh, we didn't I was going to say, them. that'd be weird if, like, one day had in-ears, and then you're like, oh, she can't hear me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're trying to, like, but yeah so um so, so i was like just full of emotions like you're stepping on stage you're like this is surreal beyonce is right there i'm walking up to her i'm seeing the crowd but i can't hear them i hear the music you're yeah. focused you want to mess up it, it lasts like a second like you blink your eyes and you're like oh it's done and it was just unreal so cool. we all bawled after <laughs> oh my god crying, yeah crying, and then it shut the power down we're like, yes <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. i can't remember that yeah. so it's fun Yes, yeah, how was the first time that you met Beyonce? Because that I, must have been like, yeah, I was remember, it at the audition? Or? It was, no, it was, um, we were in rehearsal for the Super Bowl. Okay. I think we were one or two days in and she hadn't arrived yet. And uh, we were learning Crazy in Love. And just like that whole, like, which I kind of knew already from just watching it so many times. Yeah. So already it's like surreal that we're learning this. And all of a sudden she walks in and I'm just like, someone pitch me like, what is going on? <laughs> it was really cool. And then they used me throughout that process as like one of the hair sort of testing like different hairstyles. So okay. they'd like pull me from rehearsal once in a while, try something, show it to Beyonce. So I'm like right by her and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then what about you, Mel? Your icon was Janet Jackson. Yeah. Um, so the first time that I auditioned for her was when she was making her comeback in 2015. So we got this audition call for her mm-hmm. main choreographer who's been with her for years, Gil Doldalao. And we were obviously were all like, okay, I think this is Janet. But they didn't say it was Janet on the audition call. Okay. Um, they were just like, it's for a big artist. But we were obviously all like, yeah, it's for Janet. <laughs> okay. And then we're all at the audition. Mm-hmm. Well, first there was an audition, and then we all got um, some of us got called back. And then at the callback, we started learning the all night choreo. And like within the first two steps, you already had people that were like, oh my god, like, <laughs> it was like two walks forward and like a dip, and people were like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. But that's what like that you know that's what like Janet and Beyonce these icons their chore- choreography is to dancers. Like you yeah. can do three steps, and people are like, oh my god, like we know exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah. So. It was just even exciting being in that audition room with so many dancers who cared so much about this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so often you're sometimes at auditions where, you know, you have, like, a group of people who just really need a job, a group of people who, like, actually just want to dance for fun, and some people who are just there because they feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, in those auditions where it's for people like that, the energy in the room and the support and just, like, wanting to be, like, passionate about dance yeah. was so special. Oh, that's sick. I yeah. Think, I would think that it's more competitive. Cause Honestly like, not, because it's, no. like, you place people in a room where everybody wants to be there and everybody wants to do well mm-hmm. they're naturally going to like support other people too you know it's, okay. it's like for me I think it's the opposite you know okay. I think it's the misconception that everybody just wants to compete against each other yeah. but especially when you're operating at that level yeah, you know of like yeah, working yeah. dancers who are so passionate about what they do mm-hmm. there's a different respect there yeah. for why we're there and at okay. this point you kind of it's just, it is a small community you know everyone, yeah you work with everyone so we're all rooting for each other at that level yeah know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the energy in the That's room nice. was just so amazing as it, as it, as it was, and we literally just finished learning the last moves, like hadn't even done it with music yet, and then the door opened, and literally you could hear like a pin drop because Janet just walked in, like with her bodyguards <laughs> and her crew, oh and she God. walked in, and then she sat like right in the front row in front of the mirrors, and Gil was just quiet, and he was like. All right, let's take it from the top. And then went and started to play the music. And I just, I, I vividly remember this moment because I felt possessed. Everybody sort of took a step back, and I just walked straight forward and I did the combo like right in front of her. And we had just learned it, and like we were all super anxious about even remembering the choreography. Yeah. But I don't know, it literally felt like something was pulling me forward. And I was like, I'm just gonna dance and do this. And I didn't mess up. It was so crazy. It's like the power of your intention and your willpower so to do something. Cool is crazy. So 
then we did like an insane audition process. We had about six hours of auditioning. And from there, after that combo, they did a cut. We learned another combo, they did a cut. We learned a third combo, they did a cut. We went back to the original audition combo, so that's four. And then we learned a small section of another piece of choreo. Is this in one day? This is one day. Oh. This is in six hours. Yeah. And then okay. by the end, there was about <laughs> nine of us girls. Nine? Seven. Nine. Yeah, there was nine, nine of us girls. Okay. And we were literally rotating between all five combos. So it was like, they okay. would like put us in different formations and then and then do one combo and then go back to the other. We're doing like hood, like choreo, and then we're doing like sexy, like jazzier stuff. It was just crazy. Wow. And then um, Gil was like, all right, ladies, line up. And we thought he was going to do another cut. And he lines us up all up and Janet's still there. And Gil's like, all right, ladies, congratulations. You're going on a world tour with Janet Jackson. <laughs> And this oh is also like, God. we all didn't know she was going on tour. We didn't even yeah. know the audition was for Janet Jackson when we stepped in. It was just an audition. Yeah. And so the fact that he said those words of like, you're going on a world oh tour God, with Janet like Jackson. Yeah. yeah. I, that's like one of the best moments of my life. Like, yeah. hands down. Hands down. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, working with her was such a dream. I yeah. mean, these women are icons for yeah. a reason because mm. they genuinely care about their work and they care about the people they're working with too. And then that makes them work hard, but it also makes us work hard yeah. because we yeah. actually appreciate their energy and the fact that they care, yeah. you know? It pushes you, you have no choice. Like you yeah. wanna step up, you know? It's the same idea with the whole audition room, right? It's like when you see people that genuinely just care about the work and that work hard, it's like, it's motivating, you know? Mm. And when you're in that, when you're in that flow with people, that's like the most creative space to be in, you know? Yeah. So. So what was the biggest, I guess, Highlight of touring with Janet Jackson. Oh man, there's so many highlights. Okay, I guess <laughs> I mean I was gonna say like just being with the girls and you know, we had mm -hmm. such a cool vibe together. And that all has to do with Janet, because Janet was in the room for those six hours, like cutting people, looking at people, talking to Gil, and you could tell she was more about the dancing, like she was reading our energies. And she placed like nine of us together and mm. none of us saw how we were going to get along in rehearsals. It was very disjointed. The second we started going on tour, it was like we were so tight and we were Aww. literally a tribe like of so many different personalities, but we all like fit into this mm. puzzle. And that was Janet. So the girls for sure made it like we were, we have such a sisterly bond, mm -hmm. but also just going back to Toronto and being able to be like on stage. Um, Janet Janet um, does a bow, so she like introduces every dancer at the end of her show. And then if it's your hometown, she saves you for last, and she'll say like from Toronto, and she'll like give you your moment. And like I still get goosebumps thinking about that, thinking about that one moment because yeah. when I when that happened, I was like, wow, like this is you know for me, I was like, this is it. I was like, I don't need anything else. Like especially in dance, I was like, wow, like this is the moment. Yeah, you know? yeah. I feel like you retire after that. Oh my That's god, yeah. Everybody. No, 100%, because you just feel like if I had to work so-and-so years for this moment, like, that was worth it, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And you have, like, your family in the audience, you have, I had, like, my dance teacher, like, my, my childhood friends come and watch. Oh and my god, that's so cool. It was incredible, so those two highlights for sure. Oh, yeah. nice. And what about you? Because you've done a couple of tours yeah. Beyonce. Um, I think it's, it's the people. Uh, mm -hmm. We get to meet the fans. She has such amazing fans. I mean, Jen is the same as well. Uh, it's just so much love. It's like overwhelming. I mean, like I remember, like just touring, let's say Brazil. Like they just have so much love for us, mm -hmm. and they're so supportive. Um, getting on that stage, just I remember like the lights going on and like just the cheering. You're just standing there in your pose, and like you have to wait. Like it feels like a forever. It's just yeah. like I don't know, thirty seconds before the music starts. But yeah. taking that in and just like. You want to look fierce, but you all you want to do is like cheese and smile yeah. and just like change it all in. It's like so magical. It's so cool. Oh my god. Yeah, and then same performing in Montreal with you know my family, friends, you know students and peers and stuff. I just again had like I was like a cheese ball just the whole time. That's so cool. That's yeah, yeah. so like emotional. Yeah. You know, I was, th I was thinking about when you were saying that, like, standing on stage and feeling people, like, just so happy, because who goes to a concert and is, like, pissed about it? Right. Yeah. And I think that's why it's such, like, a special, yeah. special thing to do and to be on that stage, because you're receiving so much love, like, mm -hmm. 
from so many people in like an entire arena, arena or stadium, you know? Yeah. And like everybody's just there just to have a good time to enjoy the show. Yeah. And the fact that you get to be a part of that and a part of that energy that's giving them that is like a really powerful exchange. So special. Mm-hmm. I remember in Amsterdam, I think it was maybe like, or Seventh City from like the very first time I started touring. And as I walked on stage for the first time, I heard like, go Kim, or something, someone yelling my name. I was like, someone knows me. Here. <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah. And it's just like, you take it and you're like, wow. Like, again, with the two artists that we got to tour with, like, they're all about like individuals and who are yeah. you now. And okay, let's, you know, let's make that, make sure you shine as you. And yeah. like, Kim, how do you feel sexy and pretty? And like, okay, do that. And, yeah. you know, like, they would say that to you? Yeah. Like, oh, it's so wow. important for them to, it's not just like, okay, how can we get everyone looking the same? Which I'm not downing that like I get that yeah. there's a look sometimes mm-hmm. that you want to be clean but they're both about just like individuals mm-hmm. and like every woman from you know shape color background it doesn't matter it's just like embracing who you are yeah that's so cool yeah yeah and when you're touring like the schedule is so crazy and it's literally a physical thing that you're doing sometimes like every night in a row how do you take care of your body um stretch as much as you can there's usually a PT on on tour with us too so physical therapist Mm -hmm. that that'll be helpful as well we always like line up and fight to see that person okay um just yeah you have to know your body and and you know take it seriously because it is tough you might go from like a 20 like you'll be on a a bus a tour bus Mm. and so you might be you know traveling for 20 hours straight some people sleep well in in those bumps some don't and then as you wake up at 5 a.m the next city they wake you up go in the hotel room but you really have like four hours to sort of sleep because then you have your call time get to the arena you know you know do your thing sound check they might change something from the song so you're rehearsing then boom it's the show and then after that we'll shower at the arena we're getting back on the bus and then on to the next city so it's like a hard schedule to to maintain and then you're changing like in terms of like hours and countries and you know so that's hard to keep up with too so it's so stretching is what you do stretching yeah take care of your body Mm -hmm. eating well too yeah Mm -hmm. um definitely for me yoga i mean that's for me i'm so grateful that yoga is so prevalent now in north america because that was something that always grounded me and made me feel at home no matter where i was oh so you went to take classes oh yeah i would go check out different studios and it was kind of interesting because with each city i would kind of like grasp the spiritual vibe or the or the you know the yoga vibe from that city just from taking a few classes but um, along that lines of like going to take a yoga class also just kind of getting out of the tour bubble and like exploring like doing things on your own because when you're on tour it's like a suction cup like you're just in that world and it's even hard to kind of like reach out to other people that aren't on the tour like your friends from back at home and it happens to all of us but I think part of what kept me sane was having a few phone calls every now and then with like my family mm-hmm. or with friends from home, like people that were disconnected from this world that you're in 24-7. Yeah. Because you're sleeping with these people, you're performing with them on stage, you're like, you're eating with these people, you're mm-hmm. literally all together yeah. in these confined spaces 24-7. Yeah. And it's just That's like, a lot. Yeah. it's a lot for any human, whether yeah. these humans are people you love or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... Like any family. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You need just your own time for yourself. So I found for me like yoga, but also being able to go outside of the tour bubble mm-hmm. to explore or go on places on my own was really important. Mm-hmm. Okay. And after the show, you're normally on a high, yes. but then if you have to go somewhere else, like yeah. how do you wind down or like sleep? Well, we usually so party. I was just like, <laughs> I drink. <Yeah. laughs> like that's how you. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Food waiting for you on the bus and okay. then drinks and then you, yeah. I rarely do we go to bed right after. No, you know, yeah. Okay. Just have fun, celebrate. This Watch movies get to on the bus. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like there's no winding down. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the only winding down that I think you would do is if it's on your own time. Yeah. Like other than that, you're just, you're in a social environment. You love these people. You're performing with mm. them. You get on the bus, you're drinking. You go out for dinner. You guys are like hyped. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's a lot of this. That's yeah. why they talk about like the tour come down. When you get off tour, oh, okay. it's this readjustment back to reality. Yeah. I was like, you know, everything you left, it's like, it's like, damn. Yeah. You know, you literally feel like you were on a different planet for a second. Yeah. How do yeah. you adjust to the down portion of it? Um, I mean, there's no avoiding it, and that kind of comes with any really intense job. Like, I was just on a film production for three months in Atlanta, and again, coming off that, there's a come down. Like, mm-hmm. anything that you're literally invested in and you don't really see any of your normal people, you're not in your normal environment, that's intense. Mm-hmm. So, when you come out of it, I think the most important thing is just to be in it, you know, and just be really, go, take things slowly, 
just sort of like you have to spend three days at home and do nothing and watch movies and you have to do that you know okay. not like forcing yourself out of that down yeah you know going through it versus around it mm-hmm. um, but then you know I think eventually it's just slowly starting to reconnect with people again um, like again with this uh, with the tour but also with this film experience I always felt so disconnected from my friends I'm not that person like I really like keeping in contact with people mm-hmm. and getting back into that I think really normalized me in both situations to really like just be able to see people for lunch and be able to like go for walks with people um, so connecting with humans that you really love I think yeah. is a really important part of going through that down yeah. phase yeah. okay yeah. I think yeah same I did make it a point whenever we'd have like a week or two off I, I don't know if it was the because we had not recently arrived but it had been only like I think two years or something and I was like I don't want people to forget my name and you have that constant sort of pressure like if I'm gone I'll miss out people will forget about me or mm-hmm. in that industry so every break I had I would call my agent and be like book me on something else I want people to know I'm here and so I kept very you know I kept busy and and I think it made it kind of I guess easier maybe to come back and just jump right back into working with mm-hmm. other people okay. or on other things yeah um, but yeah the lifestyle itself is so different because like Mel was saying you're in a bubble you yeah really are on tour same with like we call them tour mans when you like have a romance on tour with someone oh, yeah it's not okay. real life it doesn't last so not yeah. the truth, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's just it's yeah, yeah you're in your own little world yeah yeah i guess you're so focused mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i i just realized too because our come down like that was our tour bubble like our bubble got like like popped so oh, fast yeah. because we got canceled oh yeah so we were all under the impression like we'd gone to dubai to do one show and then we were all back for like a week and then we were under the impression we were going to leave in like two more weeks to, to finish the rest of the tour. Mm-hmm. And we had it from like April to November planned. And then we got called that um, Janet got pregnant, which was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that obviously just affected our dates. And so it was upsetting because, you know, you have this whole plan for the year. But at the same time, I was so ready to go into film and to start directing and just really go down that avenue that I was like, okay, like now's the time. So I think my my down with that came with like, oh, like it's sad that this ended so fast. Like I thought I'd have a little more time with it. Mm-hmm. But I was also like, okay, I guess now really is the time to be going into that. So so how did you get into film? Um, well, my interest in it started actually when I started feeling a little bit alienated from the dance industry. I cut my hair. I got tattoos just because it felt right for me. I can't really still explain why I was so pulled to doing those mm-hmm. things. But the more I did, the more I kept feeling like myself. But the more I felt like myself, the more I felt almost separate from the dance industry. Like I wasn't booking as much. I just felt out of place in rehearsals. And I was just kind of searching for something else to spark that creativity in me. So I just started creating my own stuff. Um, I heard one song called Youth and I was like, I instantly had a vision for it. And I was like, oh my God, I kind of want to put this on video. Like, I don't know why, but I just want to make a video of it. Okay. I met this cinematographer who's one of my good friends, and he has a bunch of film school friends. I just started hanging out with them. We created this project, and I just realized the feeling I had creating this video was the same feeling I had when I'd watched Janet YouTube videos over and over again until 5 in the morning. And that, like, 16-year-old feeling of passion and of mm-hmm. being like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need to do it, that's what happened. So... Then slowly I was like, you know, do I want to direct music videos? Do I want to do commercials? Then I started reading and learning more about scripts and movies and films. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I want to do films. Like, this is what I want to do. So it was like a slow snowball process of now knowing, like, I want to direct movies. Mm -hmm. But it really just started actually from me feeling really down about myself and from me feeling really isolated and alienated and unsure of what I was going to do. And then... And then I was lucky enough to meet the right people that sort of opened my eyes up to this whole other world. And then now I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's obviously what I want, what I want to do. But it took it took like maybe I think it took a, a good year for me to be really solid with that. And now I can actually articulate I think why I wanted to transition to directing because it's so similar to teaching yoga and also dancing. With okay. dancing there's like, you have a sort of choreography with the music and your body. And then with film, you have that same choreography with the camera, the words that the actors are saying, and just their blocking, right? Like the different shots that you're doing, whether it's moving or static, are telling a story as well and giving the audience a feeling. And then the teaching yoga part is, as a director working with actors, you're trying to use your energy and your words to draw certain truth out of their character. So those two things combined is why I feel like directing is like, yeah, this is what I was supposed to do. 
That's cool. And yeah. you just came back from shooting a movie. That yeah. You gave. Yeah. 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 How it was that. Oh my gosh, such a blessing. <sighs> like, honestly, just the whole experience was so wonderful. And I actually got this job in a totally crazy, um, serendipitous way. I just was auditing a bunch of acting classes last year. And I was just like, you know, I just want to start learning more about different acting techniques. I audited this one class, and the woman whose class it was was actually the wife of this director for the movie, George Tillman. Okay. Um, so his wife, Marcia, was like, I don't know why, but you know, you remind me a lot of my husband because he used to like just take acting classes just to observe. And then, and this was back in like last September. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't hear from her at all until May of this year. And she texted me and she asked if I was interested in interviewing in this position to assist assist her husband. I don't even know who her husband was at the time, but he's done Men of Honor and Soul Food. And he's just, I mean, now that I know him, he's just a cool freaking guy. And okay. I love and respect him so much. Um, but I interviewed and then I got the position and then I've been on this job. Um, nice. Yeah, but I really lucked out because, you know, you hear so many horror stories in Hollywood about assistants and, you know, being in that position. Because it's a thing, like Hollywood assistants. Oh, okay. But I, I don't mean, know what the thing is. It's just like, you know, like a lot of assistants are just hired to get coffee, you know, or to do oh, like the okay. personal stuff. And I mean, George was just so cognizant of the fact that I want to direct and that's why I was there. So he was more of a mentor than anything. Okay. You know? Like obviously you do some personal stuff here and there and I'm there to help. That's my job. Mm -hmm. But he was just always so kind and also very aware of that fact. And he would really ask for my opinion, and I really felt involved in part of the creative process. That's cool. And then, and on top of that, the story of it. Like, I don't know if you know about the Hey You Give story at Not all. Not as much, no. Well, it's all about just, like, police brutality and what's happening in our world right now. And it's about this young African-American girl that has to use her voice to stand up for something important. And I'm like, that's... That's like what I feel like my enti our entire like prerogative is. I feel like that's what my life mission is to like help girls find their voices. So the fact that this was the first film job that I'd done was like so it was cool. so perfect. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and Kim, I know you're still dancing. Yes. yes. And like, do you see a future of dancing? Um, definitely for the next couple of years. Okay. I feel like I've always been kind of like go with the flow, like mm -hmm. I'll follow my heart, see what feels right, but I never, like I always struggle when we ask me, when I get asked like, where do you see yourself in five years, ten mm -hmm. years? I don't know that I was ever trained to look that way or never did naturally anyways. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of going with the flow. I know I still get excited and like there's still so many projects I want to be on, whether mm -hmm. they're small or big. I love being a part of the creative process. I would love to tour one more time. So, okay. so I'm going to go with that. I mean, I'm not saying I might at one point just shift and be like, I think I'm done, you know, I don't yeah. know it, maybe, but for now I, I just really enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. And both of you started, you got this girl. Yes. So <laughs> why? Okay. First of all, what is you got this girl? Well, so You Got This Girl is a, like a woman empowerment program, basically, mm -hmm. that we've created. Um, we decided, this was what, about a year and a half ago or so was when we... When we first decided yeah, to do it? maybe almost two I think, no, now. it was before I did Janet, so it was like, because it was like January 2015. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. So almost, oh my god, almost, wait, do your math. Three years. Almost three years. <laughs> <That's so laughs> three crazy. years in January. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Um, so yeah, so she, so basically, I mean, it, the timing was perfect. After doing Janet Jackson, I've done Beyonce, and mm -hmm. we were just talking about, we've always been sort of on the same page with like, you know, it's a hard industry, we've mm -hmm. pushed, and you know, we kind of like went against the odds of like moving from, you know, being like a small girl from Toronto, in Montreal, mm -hmm. and moving to Los Angeles, and getting to accomplish our number one goal we set out for ourselves, yeah. you know, how do we get there, mm -hmm. and how can mm -hmm. we share that with people, because that's what we want to be doing, we want to inspire young women, young girls, to just go after what they truly want to be doing, mm -hmm. no matter if people are saying, no, you can't, it's impossible, this is stupid, it's just like, okay, so let's try to create a program yeah. where we'll create these steps to break that down and really give them the tools we felt were helpful for us yeah. mm -hmm. throughout this journey. Yeah, especially in the wake of everything happening right now in our world with all the conversation around, you know, sort of disengaging from abusive power against women and, you know, women speaking up and using their voices. I think our initiative was so in line with that and was so in line with um, the call to action to girls and to females to take a step up and to not be afraid to do whatever the hell you want and you know not feel ashamed to just be yourself mm -hmm. um, you know we I think we both are the feminists that believe in equality and that believe for equality for men and women mm -hmm. but in order to do that it's more about calling the woman to take a step to go after their goals um, so that's kind of like the main prerogative behind what we do is 
if I think if we create a more equal world, it starts with women being strong, being confident, and being feeling okay to take those leadership positions. Mm-hmm. So I've taken your workshop yes. and I totally loved it. She's been to our first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel honestly like it really helped change my life, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, it was really good. And you have four steps yeah. in mm-hmm. your program, so can you explain a little bit? what the steps are and mm-hmm. how do you implement them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Matt. <laughs> I was like, well, you've been to our workshops. What's step number one? Tell us. No, you, no, tell, you tell us first and then I'll explain. What is it? Um, listen to your thoughts. Yeah. So <laughs> listening to our thoughts, that's uh, that's our first step because, you know, when we were first even devising the four steps, like we were thinking, well, what is the first thing that, that we would do if we were going after a goal or if we felt confused or stressed? Mm-hmm. And we realized being aware and knowing what's going on in your head and just being able to see what you're experiencing was the first step to anything. Mm-hmm. Even the first step to healing, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if something that you want is just happiness or feeling at peace, you have to first be able, be able to see what's going on in your head before you make any decisions to change. And I think for me, like when I took yoga in order to really heal from first moving from Toronto to LA, that's what I was doing. In, in my normal day-to-day life, I couldn't even hear what was going on in my head. And then I got to yoga and things settled a little bit and I was able to be like, oh, okay, that's that thought. Okay, cool, I can see that. You just sort of center back and you're able to come back into your body with this step. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, it's just so often you're like on autopilot, right? You wake mm-hmm. up, you go about your day, you know you're having, I don't know, you take your shower, breakfast, jump in your car, go to mm-hmm. whatever whatever you're doing. Yeah. And yeah, it's just about taking that time in a moment, in the morning, let's say, or whenever is good for you, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, taking a walk by yourself, or just reading a book or something like, just having your own little time to yourself mm-hmm. and just, you know, yeah. where am I at and sort of, like it's like a scan you know body scan Mm -hmm. and a mind scan like without any judgment how am I feeling today how's my body what am I telling myself and you know kind of going from there yeah Mm -hmm. getting in touch with yourself yeah feeling yeah feeling a bit more rooted and grounded yeah yeah, and then step number two is pick your thoughts. It is. <laughs> Checking the list. Uh, yeah, so then now once you've listened to your thoughts, you're aware, now is the process where you can start you know, um, processing your thoughts and sort of picking the thoughts that best serve you. So in that first step, you're doing nothing but just listening and observing. You know, you're like letting your thoughts pass you by. And then the picking your thoughts is now you're cultivating your inner space a little bit better by filtering out the negative thoughts and then holding on to the positive ones. And now with this step, you know, it's, I think it's so easy for us to think that negative thoughts are bad and that we aren't supposed to have those negative thoughts. Because I think both of us have found the more spiritual and more meditative we've gotten it's been, it's almost like you guilt yourself for having those feelings or for being negative or for having negative thoughts. And what we always try to teach is that that's impossible. Like we're human and if anything, the negativity often fuels you to do something positive or to make a change. So it's not getting rid of your negative emotions. It's almost like putting them in a little container and then putting them off to the side, Mm -hmm. you know, and then redirecting your focus. Yeah. You know, we don't want you to ignore it, but yeah. You're aware, but then, okay, from there, where can you go to sort of better yourself and yeah. push yourself in the right direction? Yeah. Especially in the, in the industry that we're in, it's like we're judged constantly with auditions yeah. and yeah. everything. This entire process, it's always like, mm, I don't like the way what you're wearing. You're cut. I don't like the way you did your hair today. You're cut. So just That's coming so in hard. with the mentality, yeah. it's either like, oh, I'm stressed out and I don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I'm worth it. I don't yeah. know if I deserve this. Mm-hmm. Or let me switch and think of a more positive thought so mm-hmm. that I can help myself and you know, just feel a little bit more confident, like, you know what, I'm worth it, I'm capable of this, you know, I'm here for a reason, let's see what happens. Yeah. So it's just that little shift, you know? Yeah. It's almost like, if you're thinking of, like, a really dark space, and, like, you have a flashlight, like, where you're gonna, like, what path you're gonna go down, like, shining a flashlight down the dark, like, scary way, which is, like, the negative path, Mm -hmm. or, like, going down the positive path that's really nice and clear, and, like, Mm -hmm. how that feels following that path. You know, that path is still there, and that negative sort of trail, you can go down, but it maybe just shift your attention for that for this moment, you know. Yeah. Okay. I remember I just used to stress out so much. I think that would be the one thing I told my like ten year old self, like, don't need to stress out that much. Like I just yeah. like would get anxiety over like, but what if this happens? And think mm-hmm. of like the worst scenario and I'm like, Why am I letting my thoughts and that's when you go back to like listening to your thoughts and then mm-hmm. like not pick those ones. Like, yeah. They're not serving mm-hmm. me. Right. What's the payoff? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's good, especially as you were saying in an audition process, to have that 
thought process because that's so difficult. You're being like scrutinized for yeah. Yeah. who you are. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. So then the third step is um, manifest your dreams. Mm-hmm. So what is that? What does that mean? Um, so manifesting means to make something happen. So mm-hmm. now that you figured out your inner space, you can focus on your outer space and creating your environment. So the manifesting step is all about taking action. So now it's identifying a goal, visualizing the feeling of what it's like to get that goal, and then making a plan and taking action. Um, so this is all about working hard, practicing, but you see how there's two really essential steps that come in before you can even identify a goal. Um, because before you can do all this action part and put your energy outward, you have to figure out what's going on inside first and put your energy yeah. there yeah. as priority. Be in the right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Mel and I are huge on manifesting. We've mm-hmm. always been about that. And again, like what she was saying, it's it's taking action too. So it's combining all of that. It's not just like, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get this and hopefully it falls on my lap. Like, no, no, no. We want you to work hard. We both yeah. have and that's the way we do things. But also, yeah, manifesting, visualizing, have fun with it. It's playful. It's mm-hmm. like daydreaming all the time and picturing mm-hmm. yourself there and all, not just picturing like yourself with accomplishing that goal, but how would it feel? Yeah. And who would you tell? And how excited would you be? What are those feelings? And now can you sort of get to those feelings on a daily basis? Yeah. So that's what you start attracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you do a visualization exercise yeah. in the program. So you say like, what do you hear? What do you smell? Uh-huh. Like, th- what's the feeling you have? Like, yeah. visualize what's in front of you, and that's super helpful mm-hmm. to like putting you in that situation. Yeah, and attracting that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just feels more accessible. After exactly. That, right? It's almost like. The second you feel it and you visualize the entire world around that moment, mm-hmm. you naturally believe that you can actually get that moment because you've, you've literally been in that reality for a moment, mm-hmm. right? And then once you realize that's reality, then you're going to work harder towards it. Mm-hmm. Anything that you do when you wake up one day after the other and you remember that feeling, mm-hmm. you're like, oh yeah, I just need to do this thing to get there. Like It's almost like your path becomes so much clearer in how you're going to get to that point when yeah. you can visualize that feeling. Yeah. Even, I think it was Ellen DeGeneres said that she visualized before being the host of, mm. yeah, what, it was an award show or something. Yeah, it's crazy because, yeah. you know, like now that we've been teaching these workshops for, for quite some time, mm-hmm. you know, you still, I think you still always get a bit of resistance of people who are super realistic and the sounds kind of hokey, right? You're like, oh, just visualize it and it's going to appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you really think of it, the most successful people practice all of this. So yeah. for me, it's like, no matter how freaking hokey it is, like, why would you fucking do it? If you're seeing someone that has done it and is successful, yeah. like, yeah. to me, I'm like, isn't that just silly to not practice these things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I just remember being young and going to bed, and that's what I would do naturally. Like, as a kid, I just, like, I'm in bed, and I'm envisioning, like, oh, tomorrow at school, maybe this will happen or that. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it was just, like, it was fun. So yeah. it's, like, just, like, grown up same process yeah 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 Yeah. I'm trying to think if I ever did I don't know if I did as a kid (laughs) I definitely would envision like being at dance competitions and who was in the audience and things like that but but yeah I think I think growing up I was I was definitely a lot more analytical and like realistic I was like okay if this happens and this will happen the pros and cons of this or this you know like I was very like structured with my goal setting okay (laughs) you know so being a little more like trusting with it and having faith like mm-hmm. that's kind of what visualizing is mm-hmm. that definitely took work but so the last step is trust and let go mm-hmm. yes. so what does that mean <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting because this is a step that you know we, we, we engage in this dialogue with our students in our workshops and I don't think we've had anybody guess this on the spot mm-hmm. because it is sort of counterintuitive to what we just taught right with like manifest your goals visualize believe what you're doing work hard practice and then we're like and I'll just let go of it yeah. just like I just don't do anything and surrender yeah. But the funny thing is that is kind of the whole point of life. There's this push, there's this pull, there's the yin and the yang. There's Everything works in opposition, right? That if you're constantly going like this all the time and you're just moving forward without this ability to just sit back and enjoy life, mm-hmm. then you can't actually breed those goals into your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Same thing with, like, watering plants. If you're constantly just watering it over and over again, it's like nothing can bloom. Drown. Yeah. You're killing it. Yeah. So there has to be this, like, give and take of, like, you give, and then you have to sit back and let things grow. And so that's what trusting and letting go is all about. And it's also, I think I'm realizing too, like what real trust is, if you're trusting yourself, you're actually having confidence in yourself. 
So if you're trusting your goals, then you actually have confidence that you can actually accomplish that goal. Mm -hmm. You don't have this doubt that you're like, oh, well, like if I didn't get in this time, then I'm never going to get in. You're like, no, I'm going to get in. So it doesn't matter if it's this time, if it's in two months or if it's in a year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kim has a really good story about trusting and letting go that I love to tell oh. because because I, because I was directly involved. That's why because I remember and this was kind of my shift because like Kim was saying, Kim's always been really good with like positive thinking and mm-hmm. you know having faith and just trusting and that was always something I didn't understand because I was always very like calculated and this was one of those moments I was like, damn, like that was really magical. And it happened after Super Bowl when the choreographers had come out with this list of girls to go on tour with Beyonce. Because those dancers didn't know that at Super Bowl that Beyonce was even going on tour. Mm-hmm. So they came out with a list of dancers and Kim's name wasn't on it. So I remember we were on the phone and I was even upset for her because it was like, you were so close to that dream, you just danced for her for Super Bowl, but you know. And then Kim said, um, I'm upset, but I know that I'm going to go on a tour. Like, she was just so confident that if it wasn't now, it would be later. And I remember in my head being like, damn, that's really positive. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know, I think that way. Yeah. And then we hung up the phone, and overnight, Beyonce had taken a look at that list the choreographers had made, didn't like any of the girls, scrapped the list, and made a new one, and Kim's name was on it. You know, and then she called me the next, she called me the next day and she was like, so I'm actually going on tour with Beyonce. (laughs) And I was like, that was like 24 hours. (laughs) And, you know, looking back, like, yeah, of course you can sort of tweak that into, oh, it's coincidence or like, oh, you know, of course she was bound to change her mind. But you could also decide to to, uh, think that that was pretty magical, Mm -hmm. that she had some power in that decision and that. The fact that she trusted and let go and surrendered to what was happening, it was like she was ready for it to actually manifest. Yeah. It's definitely like our hardest step for sure. Of and course. It's something that we'll keep on having to train and train over and over. I mean, every step is like that, but yeah. this one is definitely, I feel like, the most difficult one. Yeah. But it's just like, I feel like anybody can relate to thinking of a moment in time where you're frustrated or sad or bummed, and then think of a year later and you're like, oh, that's why it happened. Because mm-hmm. I met this person or this door opened, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. things are lining up and you're super happy. Yeah. So it's like, can I get that feeling of like, relate to like understanding why it happened now can you have that feeling before the next obstacle you know like can you trust that okay it's probably happening this way because in a year from now I'll be super happy about this Mm -hmm. you know decision Mm -hmm. or whatnot or what may have not happened or you know? yeah. yeah, sometimes you don't know why things are happening. Yeah, yeah, you are making sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then when you get in that place of trusting, even in the moments where you want to be like, fuck life, <laughs> that's when usually the doors open up faster, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're also not clouded in this negative space mm-hmm. to not be able to see what's going on. Like, we all know what it's like to be negative and just hate your life one day, and you're just beelining and don't want to see anything. <laughs> But if there's that energy in you to be like, you know what, maybe this stuff is happening for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I should be looking around. That's usually when the things drop in your lap. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always a lesson there. Always, yeah. always. <laughs> um, yeah, like even with just, I mean, for, like for me earlier this year, I turned down the Janet tour because we all got offered to go back on as she was returning. And I turned it down because I was just thinking, I need to trust that something's going to happen in film. And I knew that if I took the Janet tour, that it would take me away from film for another year. And then I got the job in May. So it was just one of those things where I think when you're trusting in what you truly want to do, mm-hmm. that's when the things that you really want actually just fall into your lap. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you're also working towards... Of course. Yeah. And that's where the manifesting comes yeah. in. It's like you still want to be working, mm-hmm. but I think a big thing too is not working to the point where you're down on yourself or you're taking it at a shot at your self-worth or your ability. Because mm-hmm. if you're working towards a goal, but then you're getting so upset and down on yourself that you haven't gotten it yet, that's where the trusting and letting go is not happening, and that's why something's not manifesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So often in different departments of your life, like we're just always rushing. Yeah. Not now, now. I want to yeah. wake up tomorrow morning and it needs to happen now. Mm-hmm. You know, in anything. Like, that's how I'm feeling, if I'm being honest, with like a relationship right now. I don't have mm-hmm. a partner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll be like, Kim, why are you feeling rushed? Mm-hmm. If someone was to come up to me and be like, Oh, it's gonna happen, and he's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. Just be patient. You're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, why am I rushing it? Yeah, let me enjoy myself, love myself hard, and just yeah. go about my day. And you know, so again, it goes with the trusting and letting go. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like because we're, I think underlying like that need to like go, you know what I mean, is kind of an underlying fear that it won't happen, mm-hmm. and so that's what what's to work with, right? It's not like, I mean. 
it's not to say that you're never going to have any fears about getting your goal or getting something that you want, even if you're yeah. past the manifesting stage, right? Like even if you have that visualization, those fears are always going to be there. But it's recognizing that that fear is there and then looking at it and being like, huh, okay. Um, I'm reading this Buddhist book right now and they talk about how Buddha confronted his fears and how he went through them. But not only went through them, he actually invited them in. He was so welcome to them because he knew that was the way through to the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's when okay. you can truly like go and manifest and, and trust and let go and go through the process. And there's this um, god called Mara, who's the god of darkness, who kept coming back to him. Kept coming back and trying to scare him, brought all of his demons, tried to create a war in front of him. And there's this term called inviting Mara to tea. And Buddha would literally invite Mara to sit down for tea. Mm -hmm. And then Mara got so bored that he decided to leave. <laughs> and that's how you can literally think of yeah. physicalizing your fears. Yeah. If you see a fear, whether it's like, I don't think I'm good enough for this, I don't think I look pretty enough, instead of like shying away from it, it's like, mm. invite you to sit down. Yeah. Okay, what do you really have to say? Yeah. You know, like, what is this fear really telling me? And then sooner or later, that fear just sort of disengages, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. No, I like that visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Invite Mari to tea, y'all. <laughs> and for me, like at the workshop, that was the most powerful thing for me because. It's not only the psychological, you guys no. mix in the physical, which I feel like a lot of people miss, mm -hmm. I guess. Like there's like psychology, there's therapy, there's, I don't know, positive thinking, but that's all in your head mm -hmm. and it's like separated from the body. Yeah. But you guys did like... Um, letting go exercises yeah. where a partner had to like push oh, you I around. Oh, I get chills. I love that part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you have to like let go. Can we do that tonight? <laughs> Just for shits and giggles. Yeah, after the wine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, we should. <laughs> that's so, it's going to be so funny. Yeah. Push her over. <laughs> they have zero balance. We're having to make search of so yeah. They're yeah. just bruised yeah. like next day. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that is a... Yeah, I loved it. Also, because it wasn't just like trust and let go that your dreams are gonna happen. It was like trust and let go of like your past. Yeah, as well. so everything. It was, like, all your baggage, everything. Like it's just, it's fine. You can move forward. Mm -hmm. yeah, and you know so. what it is too. I think about those exercises is that it forces you to be so present. And when mm -hmm. you're present and when you're in the now you don't have anything to hold on to. That is trusting and letting go. Yeah. Like trusting and letting go is being so in the moment that you're just flowing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's why with those exercises of freestyling and moving your body, that takes you so into this moment because you have to be so in your body. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of the principle of yoga as well, is like to get out of your brain and to drop your energy down into your body right here mm -hmm. is like the, mo is the easiest way to get out of your head and just into yeah. the moment. Yeah. Because even scientifically, like if you have, if you hold a power pose for two minutes, mm -hmm. it changes the chemistry Absolutely. in your brain. Yes, yeah. So doing physical things as well. Yeah, and I think, I think there's, you know, there's not enough tension to like, or attention to like how much, like you said, the body affects the mind. Because if we really think about mind, body, spirit, how many times do you hear that? All three of those things, it doesn't go in that order of like how they're affected, like mind, then mm -hmm. body, then spirit. They're all interchanging yeah. and there's no boundaries and there's no lines that are created or even lines to draw between them. So mm -hmm. they each affect each other. That like, if we're not focusing enough on the body, which a lot of us don't, we just stay in here all the time, yeah. then what's happening spiritually as well, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? So what, well, you guys already gave so much information. <laughs> and but I feel like we talk a lot. No, <laughs> we're always like, damn. That's amazing, I love that. I love that. I love listening. I'm everyone who's listening to this loves listening to you guys. We were just um, talking about podcasts that are like too long. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's perfect. Um, do you have any advice for people who are, even if, what if someone hasn't found their passion yet? Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. advice you can give to them to find their passion? I would say to just be playful with it. Try different things. Register at this type of class. Mm -hmm. Go to this community class. Meet people, you know, just like form different circles. And all of a sudden you're talking about different subjects, different things. And, oh, I kind of mm -hmm. love playing this instrument. But I'm mm -hmm. also to this. And all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, you're just being playful and trying different things. And there's really no rush. Again, like we were talking about with rush, like don't rush it. It'll come when it when it needs to. And, you know, and that's okay with it with that yeah. yeah and I think for sure it's about being patient because mm -hmm. I think so often we try to rush and try to th and we believe we should know what we're gonna do right yeah. away 
but that ties into the playfulness. It's like you can't be playful if you're rushing into something, yeah. right? Being playful requires you to be patient and being okay with where you're at, and then being able to be like, I'm just gonna try random class tonight, or I'm gonna try this new instrument, you know? Yeah. And I think part of being patient is also trusting, right? Like you're trusting like the right passion is going to pop up, you know that you don't need to rush, and you know you're gonna end up in the right place. Yeah, I also liked uh, one of our friends, her name is Bree, she's like my spiritual guru, basically, and she's told me before, you know, look at your library at home of books, and that will guide you towards what sort of your mission is or, you know, mm -hmm. why you're here and sort okay. of what you're drawn to. All of our books are, like, how to be happy. <laughs> like, right. I have those, too. Oh, 100%. I have, like, so that's also they're called, like, happier. And yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, that's, you know, it could be an indication. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and doing it without fear because I know sometimes people are like I want to try this improv class but I'm too scared that yeah. you just have you to like let yeah. it go and just yeah. go force also, yourself it's letting it go but it's also like again inviting it right yeah. it's like holding on to it being like I'm, I'm really scared of going to take this class but I'm going to do it anyway like yeah. adding that but onto it again yeah. it disengages it and then sometimes okay. that fear actually fuels it right mm -hmm. Like I remember every time I would go on stage, I'd always be scared of forgetting the choreography. Always. Like, my entire dance career, there wasn't one time that I wouldn't go on stage without reviewing the choreography first. Oh, okay. But for me, I know that fear fueled my passion because me being scared about that actually meant that I really cared about yeah. it. Anytime I didn't care or I was off to the side in an audition and I was just standing around, I was like, oh, I really don't want this. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, we always talk about that. It's, yeah. so, like, it's a great indication to what you yeah. care about, which exactly. you should be jumping into. Yeah. Just like, go for it. Yeah, clearly you don't want to mess up. If you were told, like, okay, it's, you're going to be successful no matter what. Like, it's going to happen for you. What do you choose to do? It's interesting mm -hmm. if you put it that way, what people are willing to kind of like, oh, well, I think I'd go into acting. If you're right. telling me that I would succeed and be great at it, and, mm -hmm. right. yeah, I think I'm passionate about that. I love that. And so if you can kind of use that as well to guide Yeah, to that's guide a great you. question. Yeah. 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 Um, and talking about the before stage, did you have any rituals you did before going on stage? Um, I think maybe reviewing if one or two things for mm -hmm. sure that maybe I struggled with the most just to kind of get out of my head. Uh, we mm -hmm. did always pray with the artist, um, or often with most artists, so that's always nice to kind of get in that zone of like, we're all one on stage, let's stay mm -hmm. connected. Mm -hmm. um, I love crystals, so okay. I'll have like a crystal too with me, and so that's kind of like, again, it just grounds me, like kind of like, mm -hmm. why am I here for, and just mm -hmm. being grateful, I think, and that's like a general, I think, rule for me in life, I think it's super helpful. And it makes me a lot happier to just be grateful on a daily. So, yeah, you know, gratitude is mm -hmm. big. And yeah. I know you're super good at that. Like, I try, yeah. You've been, <laughs> I've been following you on social media for a couple of years. And it's always like, I'm so grateful for this. Oh, Thank yeah. you for this. And it's nice. You, you invite more yeah, things yeah. into your life that way. Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's hard to be grateful all the time. but For sure, yeah. You do a good job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, well, our page is YGTG official. Yeah. So you Instagram. got this girl, but YGTG yeah. official. Yeah. <laughs> so everything is pretty much on there. Yeah. yeah. Our yeah. website is YGTG official as well. Mm -hmm. And you have your personal yeah. pages as yeah. well. You have Instagram. Mm -hmm. What are your um, handles? Uh, Kim J. Glass, <laughs> so my full name. Yeah. yeah. Mine's <laughs> Melly Ma. M-E-L-L-Y-M-A-H. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Is there anything you'd like to add? Or any advice for us? Yeah, thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I was super course. excited. Yeah, yeah even in, to, to introduce you guys, I was like, what do I say? You've done so much <laughs> like know. each of you. So. I mean, maybe that's our biggest message is like, you know, out of everything we've talked about, we're just normal people. And we're yeah. just regular humans. And I think... That's a huge message we want to spread to people, and, but especially to girls. That you don't, no one's special, but everyone's special yeah. at the same time. Mm, yeah. And everyone's special as long as you believe that you're special and that you have a purpose. Mm, exactly. Stay authentic to yourself and yeah. just go after what feels good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you like so you much. you are doing. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> so good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love having you. Thank you so much for yeah. like saying yes of to course. coming on the uh, podcast. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And thanks for listening to my Best Life podcast. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yay. That's fun. Yeah, it's so funny how I would do tours so differently now. I can't remember. For sure. I always think about that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I probably would. They, people probably wouldn't like me because I would be on my own. Yeah.
which I don't care. Be on your own? Yeah. Like, I think I would want to explore the city way more, do my thing, meet with people from there. It takes, like, it does take an extra effort, though, to do that. Like, you you know what I mean? Because it's so easy to just be like, oh, I'm just going to stay, like, an extra hour on the bus. Yeah. Oh, we don't have much time. I, I should just stay in the hotel room. But that's why it's, like... It's like being conscious, conscious a bit of like, yeah, yeah. I should mm-hmm. get out and I should go for a walk by myself. Yeah. <laughs> or like, because the fans and people know you're coming in the city, they make a big deal of it. So usually, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if it was like that for you guys, but mm-hmm. we had a, a club event every night, we, like every new country or city we went into. Mm-hmm. So it gets, it's draining. It's like, you don't want to be the party pooper that's like, no guys, like I'm going to stay in the hotel and sleep in. So you're like... No, let me yeah. you know, party and go out mm-hmm. with the girls, but then that means you're drinking and then you're home late and then it's hard for you to get up the next morning. Yeah. So there's a lot of partying. I feel like I would cut that down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the good thing was that on our tour, it was all new girls. Like as in, I mean, Bianca has done tours and stuff yeah. like that, but for most of us, it was our first like world tour. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think we were all just so in that like first tour thing, like down to like yeah. go out whenever. Yeah. But... I think like now that they're on tour again, they're much more like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just like watch movies and like drink casually on the bus. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know after you do one, yeah. you kind of have that realization of like I think I just need to chill a little bit more. Yeah, and I needed it. It was good timing. Yeah, like I got I was single, happy, yeah, exactly. And, like so partying makes sense, but yeah, I do it differently now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess the artist didn't party with you. No, she or? used to like back, way back, but now that she's a mom and stuff, she yeah yeah she'd be out after the show. Okay. Little daughter. Blue was always around. Jay was often there too. So oh, that's so cool. Family. That was great. They're so sweet. Such so a great family. Yeah, Blue's mm-hmm. so cute. She loves to come in our dressing room and just like hang out with us and we love her. Yeah.